0: Hey guys, welcome back. So today we are going to be talking about alcohol, um, and especially how it ties in with our faith and, you know, being children of God. So today I have a special guest, Michelle Porterfield, who is a certified mindset and alcohol free coach and she is the host of the Set Free Sisterhood podcast. She's all about helping women ditch the wine witch, get control back, and thrive alcohol-free. And she teaches them how to remove alcohol, renew their mindset, and rebuild a life of fulfillment. And just so you know, this is not an episode where we are telling you that you need to stop drinking and that you can't Drink alcohol at all. That is not what this episode is about. It's definitely diving deeper into that. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, you guys, welcome to the Empowered Podcast hosted by your girl, Miranda Lee. I hope you're ready to get confident, throw away the all or nothing mindset. Fully surrender to God and strive to be 1% better every day. Don't forget, you are enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. All righty, let's get this party started. All right. Hello, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hey, you're welcome. I just had you on my podcast, so I'm excited to be here.
0: Yes, and I'm excited to talk about, um, you know, this topic that I haven't touched on really at all, and it's the topic of alcohol, especially when it comes to, you know, being a Christian. I know that I have probably touched on the health aspect, but I'm excited to dive in on more of the faith aspect of, of drinking. So before we do that, can you introduce yourself and tell my audience who you are? Sure. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I'm Michelle Porterfield. I'm the host of the Set Free Sisterhood podcast and I just really help women gain control of their drinking and transform their lives. Um, So yeah, and that's what I love to do and it's very incorporated into like there's faith and health and mindset kind of all bunched up into what you would hear on my podcast.
0: Awesome. So what, what made you get into this? Like, what is your journey with alcohol then?
1: Yeah. So I will do my best to (laughs) skip
0: through the timeline a little bit.
1: Um, But I was just like a lot of women just, you know, I tried things in my teens, early twenties, got all into the wine clubs and things like that in my mid twenties. And I did notice the looking back, we always learn a lot, right. Where, I usually did not have really a turn-off switch. I just kind of enjoyed continuing to drink or thought, well, I'm just going to finish it because obviously I had the capacity to. And and a lot of times I would find myself drinking more than most on the weekends and, but still like very high functioning, high performing, working. I bought my own house at 21. I you know, I got married in late twenties and that's when things begin to shift a little bit because we got serious and wanted children. And it was super simple for me to just not drink. Like I was just like, I'm having a baby, no big deal. So it just wasn't an issue. And so there's a chunk of my life after those twenties and partying that I was, you know, I had two children and it wasn't until later in my mid to late thirties that It was like, oh, I'm done with kids, and this is kind of what my friends do. We go out to dinner and have wine. We have cookouts and have wine, and it was really no big deal in the beginning. It was just kind of on the weekends, and then what I found was just like most things that we get into a habit and this cycle of, it became more often, you know, another weekday, and then I found myself by the time I hit 40 drinking every day. And most of the times right before I quit drinking was a bottle a night and it, no one knew. I was just still going to church, taking care of my kids, working a full-time job, but I was just waking up in the middle of the night with my heart racing, like just self-loathing and, and so frustrated. I was like, why do, why do I keep doing this? I feel like crap every day. I don't want to do this anymore and then go to work and then you start to feel better. And then there would be triggers. I wasn't able to like handle my stress and I was working out too. And then I began to, when I really noticed is when I began to go, well, I don't need to work out today. And now I'd run by the store and get more wine and start drinking at like 430 instead of five. And then it just became to a point where it was just so regular that it was consuming And as a believer, there was definitely some conviction. And I even remember one time going to church and hearing a pastor say, you know, he was talking about alcohol because I'll go ahead and say this, like, there's nothing wrong. I don't believe with drinking as a Christian, like in, in like occasionally in moderation, like you have to, by no means am I standing here or you even Miranda, like telling people what yours, it is not black and white. I don't think when it comes to this. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. That's one of the things that, you know, I, I like to talk about. It's, life doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's finding that gray area.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I've got plenty of friends now. And once you ladies get to know me, if you do come over to my podcast, you'll see like, it doesn't, doesn't faze me. I'm not the anti-alcohol lady. I just got to the place where I was like, wow, <laughs> this is an idol. And this is like, like taking over. And so for me, it came to a moment of surrender. I think when we get to a place that we can say is our bottom, whether we're talking about alcohol or anything else that we're really, really struggling with that is keeping us stuck. And, you know, I believe anxiety is more like an alert. It alerts us to like how to get unstuck. There's a reason why these things happen inside of our bodies to say, Hey, something's not working here. And I was in the bathtub one night, had a lot to drink. And I just really felt in my spirit. I was like, I just can't do this anymore. I know that if I continue, my drinking will probably elevate. I was just depressed. I was unhappy in my relationship, stressed out at my job. And I just felt, really just felt the Holy Spirit say, you know, in a sense, like in my spirit, like you've been trying to do this your way. What you need to do is surrender. And in that moment, I was just like, absolutely. And for me, surrender is actually very powerful, not powerless. And a lot of women who struggle, that's their fear that they have to go and say that they're weak or even they don't even have to go anywhere, go to any meetings or anything like that. That's just what they think. But just get into a place where you're like, all right, God, I'm giving up to you because clearly what I've been trying is not working. And that's kind of the moment. And then it really was day to day choice by choice, struggle by struggle. Until now, um, this August will be four years. And I've chosen the alcohol-free route. In the beginning, I did not. I thought, "Mm, I'll just cut back. But what happens is you realize that it's just not a value anymore. And that's when I truly have been able to transform my life.
0: Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but you weren't an alcoholic. You didn't struggle with alcoholism. It was just more of an idol in your life. Correct? Absolutely.
1: And I think that's a huge fear that women have is if I say I'm drinking too much, they will think, or I have to claim to be an alcoholic. And that's just not true.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And I feel like just because you're not an alcoholic doesn't mean that it's not still a struggle that we can have, or something that you know, we need to like take a step back and, like you said, surrender it over to God.
1: Absolutely, and it's just like, I mean, your story with different you know, your eating and food, and women who I know binge eat like that has control over you because it's where you go to cope. It is, it's the same thing, it's just, um. They're both done in secret, but yet the tricky part about alcohol is you really can be in public. It is conditioned by our society that, you know, wine on the, or baby on the hip, wine on the lips, like all these funny quote unquote, not funny to me, mom memes and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's very sneaky to where there was a long time that I just kept making excuses. Well, it's not a big deal because. I'm working, I'm taking care of my kids, even though deep down there was a big conviction that it was a big deal.
0: Yeah. I feel like a lot of people have like what you say, like excuses or, you know, it was a long day or, or, you know, I'm having a a tough day or I'll, I'll try again on Monday. Like you hear the same thing with diets too, you know? Um, and, and I know you said before that it's okay for Christian women to drink. So can you dive a little a little deeper into that because i feel like it's, it's not as like black and white and like we talked about the whole idolatry and like what social media is pushing and normalizing um, i guess dive a little deeper into kind of like crossing that fine line
1: sure i think for me is when i really begin to understand what the Bible says in this, my relationship with, you know, my creator, that anything that comes before him is an idol that is obviously blocking our relationship. So if I'm going to food first, alcohol first, Netflix, pornography, whatever, our coping, shopping, spending money, whatever, it can all be an idol. If we choose that over him, but when we're talking about just alcohol in general, I mean, man, I looked up many times in the Bible where there was alcohol. Now the wine back then was not the same as now. Like there's, it's a whole different like fermentation process. And, you know, there's a story at the wedding where Jesus brought the good stuff out at the end. But when I study a little deeper, like our wine's a lot stronger now and it will get to us a lot more. And here's the deal. If you're someone who probably is either, you know, I always say when I'm talking to other podcast hosts, like whoever's listening, either they're like, this is no big deal. Or like, oh, that's interesting. They either, or that, because they don't care. They drink on occasion, like alcohol is really not a big deal. I just do it like on birthdays or occasionally, or you have them going, their ears are perking up because they realize that this is them. Because people that don't struggle with it, don't struggle with it. (laughs) They just don't think about it. They don't notice the decor at TJ Maxx. They don't notice the mom memes. They don't notice every flipping shiny light and label when they're walking through the stores because they don't struggle with it. That's like, I don't struggle with, you know, sweets. Sweets are not my thing. So it's not like I'm walking through an area and like they're all like, oh, I gotta have something sweet. It's just not an issue unless... You're struggling with it, and it's just that simple and I think we know that as believers, and that's where conviction comes from like where's your relationship with the Lord now, and what does that look like
0: yeah i I like that you say some people it literally doesn't even phase because everyone is just so different um, and I think that's why it's so important to really like be in tune with your body and have that self awareness because but I I think that at least with um, drinking alcohol, so like you said, someone who's listening will either be like, "No, nah, this doesn't affect me," or "Ooh, maybe I am drinking a little too much." So, how do you know if you are drinking too much, and when when it's kind of time to take that step back or decide maybe drinking um, isn't something I I should implement in my life at all?
1: Sure. Well. First, it, it starts with the thought of it. Like if you're already asking, am I drinking too much? You might be Googling it. Um, just having that curiosity is a great first red flag. I knew it a year probably before I actually decided to quit drinking. It was something that I was very well aware of in my life that it just started not making sense to me. Um, another thing is if you have potentially done some sort of detox plan or, you know, dry January, you've jumped on board with some challenges with your friends and you really, really struggled to not drink, or you realized a weekend, you're like, forget this. I can maybe handle not having something else or implementing this, this part of this plan, but no way with alcohol. And if you're someone who is, really convicted about it when you hear about it. I mean, obviously, if you're listening now, you know that it's just become a little bit too important and it's just not serving you in your life. But you haven't even, I mean, so many women by the time they do find, you know, my podcast or they reach out to me, they've not even really told anyone. It's very common that we keep it super quiet or we may have even like, mentioned it to a friend like hmm I think I might need to cut back on alcohol and like no girl no big deal like your friends are not trying to hurt you but they also have no clue and you've probably got friends that they're on that side where they have alcohol is not a big deal and though they don't see the inward struggle that you're dealing with
0: or or they're struggling with it too and they they're just not ready to take that step and they don't want to be in it alone I I think um especially I know with my like me being only twenty six and you know associating with that that younger crowd, drinking's just kind of like what everyone likes to do on on the weekends or on Friday or whatever. And you know I've I've had clients who they're just like, yeah, my, it's crazy how much my friends like pressure me to drink, and it's more to just make them feel better about themselves. Um, so I guess what are what are the steps to kind of, you know, not let it take control of your life? I know you mentioned the whole like, Oh, 30 day detox. Like, does that work? Cause I know with diets and stuff that doesn't work. So how is it with alcohol?
1: Well, once again, I think there's a huge spectrum of like, where are you on the timeline? You know, for me, no, that did not work. Um, most of the time, I don't know if I ever made it. No, I didn't. I never made it 30 days. I think the longest I ever went before I got to the place where I truly chose not to drink anymore, it was like 21 days. And it was, I remember it was a lot harder because I was just not drinking. So it's just like anything else we do. It's not just deciding, okay, I'm not going to drink anymore. Let's hope this works out. You know, I'm just going to like, tough it out, will power through it. That almost never works. Um, There's no, in my opinion, I don't think there's anything as spontaneous sobriety. There's, you know, that's the whole, like, if that's the case for you, then it's, it really wasn't as big of an issue anyway. Cause some people just choose to just like, you know what, I just, it gives me a headache and I cannot sleep anymore. Like I got so many um, friends in their forties that alcohol wasn't a big deal but they still drink it on occasion with dinner. And they just realize they're like, every time I go out to dinner and have a glass of wine or two at the max, they're like, I feel like crap and I can't sleep. And then they just decide not to drink anymore. Obviously that's not the the ones that I'm really speaking to. It's the ones that have tried that are struggling and they just don't know what else to do. And I think that's the biggest problem that we have. And this is why I like to talk about it this way because- and you tell me if if I'm wrong or if you've heard anything different, but this is what I've noticed. It's either you just don't talk about it and you try to figure it out or you think, the women think that they have to go to AA or somewhere. And that's just not the only option because we, I mean, I don't want to say we don't belong there, but like we, nobody got time for that. You know, my women have jobs and kids and all these things. And if anything, I actually went to a couple of meetings and it made me feel worse. These people were so sad and I'm sure there's lots of amazing people that go to AA. I've actually met them and that's just something they they serve and they love to help other women because they've stepped into a sponsorship. But I also know that it is not for everyone and especially not for someone when it creates more stress and more labeling than they, than they need.
0: Yeah. And Like, like we said in the beginning, like you can need help, but not have like an addiction with it, you know, and like not have alcoholism It's kind of like, like with me, you can have an eating disorder or you can just have disordered eating habits. Both of them, you know, need help. Both Mm -hmm. of them aren't good. One is like, you know, more bad, (laughs) more bad, if that makes sense. One Mm -hmm. of them is worse. So yeah, but it doesn't discredit those who just struggle with disordered eating habits. Um, so I kind of I kind of feel like that's how it is with drinking. You can still drink too much and not have the same addiction where you're an alcoholic. But you know, it is kind of taking over my life, and it could lead to a point of alcoholism. So it's really interesting that you say that you even tried like AA and and it wasn't for you. So then, what should these women do if they don't think they should go to AA, but they still want to work on their, their drinking.
1: Sure. And I just want to mention too, that just like when there's a a struggle with the eating disorder and things like that too, we, what we find out is that these coping mechanisms, the reason why we started is because they worked, (laughs) you know, the reason why, I continue to drink wine is because whether it was early in my days as a young person that was super insecure and had racing thoughts, it turned my thoughts off and I felt like I could just be who I wanted to be and not have all that crap in my brain. Or when I got older, you know, it does buffer the stress, buffer the frustration. But what happens is if we don't have other coping mechanisms and other tools then that becomes, that's why it becomes such a stronghold. And then at the end of the day, once I uncovered the alcohol, really the transformation comes from what's underneath because there's a reason why that we continued. And there's a reason why we just stayed in that habit loop because there's a lot of other stuff we haven't dealt with, whether it's our emotions, our relationships, parenting the stresses of the world finances and that's where to go back to your question that's where we need to to go so for me that's what I help women with I coach one-on-one and I have a group program Um, there's a great counselors and therapists out there there are groups one if you do want to go to a group and you have one in your area probably the best one is called celebrate recovery and it's for anyone that has a brain because there's plenty of people there that their issue is not drugs or alcohol. It is eating disorders. It is overspending. It is um, anxiety. There's gambling. Like anything is hurts habits or hangups. That's a great place to connect. And reason why those things matter is because we need to be in community and we need to have connection. And I just also, we know this as you, we do have to filter who we share this stuff with. It needs to be someone safe that you can trust that understands where you are because there were times that I would talk to people and they would just direct you straightly straight to AA. So it's just a matter of bringing it out into the light first and just having a conversation.
0: Yeah, I like that you bring up the, um the whole coping mechanism things. Cause that's probably why the whole 30 day detox and stuff doesn't work because the focus of that detox is to just not drink. But like okay. you said, you were, you were drinking for a reason. So many people drink for a reason. And like me personally, I don't drink at all, but I don't think I ever had a, a real like problem with alcohol. It was just something I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't serving me. So I cut it out completely. Um, so, but I can relate with the whole you know using overeating or binge eating as a way to cope with my emotions because I'm sure with drinking as well, like it helps maybe right then and in the moment with stress, but it doesn't actually acknowledge acknowledge the problem in the long term
1: right, and what happens is we're so in that pattern that I mean I spent i will just say a decade that feels so true to me of just not emoting, period. And what's so sad about that is when you realize that in the beginning, our you know, our intention is to have, you know, quote unquote have fun, de stress, you know, socialize. And really what's happened is you're not connecting because you can't connect once the, the drug hits the brain. Um, it's actually increasing anxiety the more you drink. And if you can't feel, if you're numbing out the things that you don't want to feel, then you're also numbing out all the good stuff too. And it takes us going through the journey and getting to the place where we're now just sick of where we are to, to begin the work to go, oh my gosh, like I haven't dealt with that from this relationship five years ago.
0: Yeah, that that's such a good point. Like, not even acknowledging the good feelings is as well. Um, so, I guess, what tips do you have for for women who are like, okay, like I think I'm drinking too much. I want to get this under control. What are some of the first things that they should do?
1: Well, the first thing I want you to do is just just take a deep breath and just have compassion for yourself. Um, realize that you are not alone. You, you, and thousands and thousands of other women are here. Trust me. I um hear I hear from them. I I see it all over social media. It's it's everywhere. And it's and just congratulate yourself for at least coming to this place. You're like, huh? I think I want to do something about this. And then next, the best thing to do is just to begin to simply notice. Notice of what's going on inside of your day-to-day. I always like to to start with really visualizing your day, what your your standard patterns are and routines throughout the day. And then begin to notice like, where are my where are my triggers? Like what time of day am I craving a drink? Like what are what are the patterns that are happening? You know, for me it was simply three four o'clock at work in the afternoon I was getting tired and then then it began this like negotiating like do I go to the gym do I go on home did the kids have anything tonight because you know I didn't drink and drive so if they had something I made sure I scheduled it after Um, and you just begin to navigate all that stuff and just begin to notice notice your thoughts notice what's going on with like when you want to drink And then just, um, the next step is just to create a new routine in that spot. And this can be a little tricky because in the beginning, a lot of times what we want to do is just like replace and that's okay. That's okay for a little while. It's okay to go. Okay. I know that when I get home, I walk in the kitchen and there's my trigger because it's time to cook dinner. The kids are crazy and the wine's just there. That would be a great place to start because you know that you know that you know that that's a huge place. So what can you do instead? You know, you can start by driving a different route home, sitting in your car for a few minutes and doing, you know, just kind of relaxing and breathing or dancing and like shifting your energy in your body. You can go straight in and communicate this depending on your situation with your spouse and your kids and say, hey, I need like a 15 minute like space for me go take a walk, go, you know, to your room and move your body a little bit, whatever it looks like, walk your dog. There's all kinds of things you have to decide. And that's the thing is I love to give ideas, but we have to create our own recipes with what our life looks like. That's where I would start so that you can really start to see how much is in this and in, in my life.
0: Yes, yeah, so this is so similar to like, an intuitive eating journey or something as well, because it is just going to be so different for everyone. And like you were saying, like you're someone who decided you don't want to drink at all and that works for you. And, you know, someone else um, might decide that they just want to drink less. So how has that worked with your clients um, to get them to drink less? I guess, how do you decide like this is a good time to drink. This isn't a best, the best time to drink. So how do you go about for those women who are like, I don't want to give it up completely. I just want to be more responsible about it.
1: Sure. And most women start that way because <laughs> that's what we, you know, we can't imagine like, Ooh, uh-huh. what it might be like for weddings and vacations. Well, it simply comes down to the awareness and actually making a choice. Cause what happens is when we're here, We're not choosing anymore. We are truly living in a reaction, the cycle of the loop. It is, she knows what I'm talking about if she's listening. It's the same old, same old, over and over, day in and day out. So the first step is to go, wait a minute, I'm going to start choosing now. And once you begin to notice, find out what your, like I said, what your triggers are. And triggers really are anything that creates an energy and stimulation somewhere in your body And most of my women, like myself, we were never in our body. (laughs) We were all up in our heads almost all the time. So when the thoughts came, yeah, we felt the pressure and the trigger, but we immediately coped. So I'm just asking you to just like, just put a pause on it, feel that feeling and go, huh, that really ticked me off what he said just now. (laughs) You know, what's going on? What am I making it mean? You know, is... What can I do different? What if I just decide not to drink right now and just kind of ride this out? Like, you're not going to die. I think this, the biggest thing in the beginning is like, we're so scared of feeling feelings. We're scared of feeling sad. We're scared of feeling angry. Just that discomfort is so scary because it seems, it seems new, because we've been stuffing it all this time. So that's, that's what I would do. And just then make a choice. If you decide, you know, give it time, give it 15 or 20 minutes. That's all I ask. If you begin to crave it, you're triggered, you're irritated, you, you know, decide to do something else, or you decide to you know, speak to the person and have a conversation, or go take a break. And then if you decide you still want to go get the glass of wine or pour the drink, then do it, but learn from it see where you can learn from it and then really take time and be aware even the next day and go, oh man, I really wish I would have just read that out and really felt that instead of choosing a drink. Well maybe I'll try again tonight. And you just keep keep trying.
0: See, I love that. And that's something I tell my clients along with like foods and cravings and overeating is you don't have to tell yourself no, just tell yourself not right now. Like we really do have to take 15 to 20 minutes where we need to like physically remove ourselves from that situation. Like you said, you can go for a walk. I'll tell my clients, like, go take a shower, go do something where you can be with your thoughts, especially when it, when it comes to drinking, a lot of it is a reaction, a, a coping mechanism, and then go from there. I think that is, that is just such a great tip because I'm sure a lot of the times these women decide after 15 to 20 minutes, oh, you know what? I don't really, I don't really want that drink. I I don't, yeah, it's not something that they, they're actually craving. So I think that's a great piece of advice.
1: Yeah. And a huge part too is depending on your situation, obviously if you're in a safe situation where you can communicate with who you live with, it's just kind of letting them know, hey, I'm going to go take you know, a minute, 15, 20 minutes, I need a little breather and it doesn't have to be so I can sit with my emotions and these cravings. It can literally just be like, Hey, I'm going to just take a little time out for a few minutes, work was stressful or whatever. And you may be even more to where you can just say, Hey, this is what I'm doing this week. I'm just kind of trying out this whole, like cutting back my drinking. Will you support me in this? you know, and this is, and, and you may have a partner that's like, cool, I'll do it with you. And you may have one that's just like, whatever you do, you whatever, but you've just got to be willing to just play along with it and, and allow yourself not just to shut doors and be like, well, that didn't work. And he got cop- copped an attitude or whatever, because those are just continued excuses. And as long as you stay in denial and long as you stay in a place of excuses, growth is just not going to happen. And so if this is something you really want, you have to, you have to play around with it and, and do more exploring instead of it being this whole like all or nothing thing like you were talking about.
0: Yeah. And like you said, I think it really all just starts with awareness and yeah, I think telling those around you is great, especially for accountability but you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but I know a lot of the times it's, I don't want someone to tell me, Oh, are you supposed to be doing that? It's just, I rather them support me. If I choose that, no, I don't want to drink or with me, it's, you know, no, I don't want dessert. Like stop asking like, Oh, do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want it? If I'm saying no, or I don't want a second slice of cake or something. I think a lot of the times you just need people to not like pressure us, I guess, and just to be supportive of whatever decision that we do make.
1: Yeah. And that's how we need to communicate it. And I think that's what I didn't know in the beginning was, I mean, really, that's what you communicate, say, Hey, this is something I'm doing. I'm sharing this with you. Would you just please be here? Listen, if I need to, I would like for you not to check in and ask me, I'm actually letting you off the hook. It's not your responsibility to to check on me. And it's not your responsibility to be accountability. Because that's the thing about, we just assume that even when we ask people to be an accountability partner, that we're placing this burden on them, that they've got to come over here and be a coach or a drill sergeant. That's not it at all. It's mainly just to, to be able to verbally say to another human, this is something that I... You know, I'm being vulnerable. I just want to share this with you. Will you just, you know, be here? And that's really all they need to do. And the most people will love that because you're letting them off the hook and there's nothing they have to do. They'll appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And it's true. Like they, you're not really giving them any crazy responsibility. But really, a lot of the times we just need that support and also the accountability of just knowing, like, Hey, I told them that I'm trying to, you know, drink a little less. So <laughs> maybe I won't go for that third glass of wine. Um, yeah. I know, I, you
1: I, say it out loud. It makes a difference.
0: Right. It's like when I get, when I tell my clients to, to like food journal and just write down what they eat, I'm sure they definitely take a little, like a little second guess <laughs> of maybe I don't want to eat that. Cause I don't have to write that down in my food journal.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And it's your own accountability, right? Like, how are we gonna, how are we really gonna grow and develop if we're not like really tracking what we're doing? And it doesn't have to be this obsessive every single thing, but that's the awareness piece. And that's what we've just not, if we've been drinking, we're, we're only in reaction mode. We're not even checking in to see what's going on. And we can't be present. You know, what I hear a lot, there's like, oh, I wish I was a better mom or I'm really struggling, like my kids are in the stressful season and I just, I want to be more present and connect and they, we want this connection and yet we still keep drinking and what we got to realize is that actually is fully breaking connection and it's okay to be connected and still be a little bit like stressy and edgy. We're human. Show your kids that you're human. Let them know that, you know what? I'm having a bit of a stressful day. I'm very, you know, I'm irritated. Mommy needs to go get, mama needs some her time. My kids love it. I've modeled going to the gym and working out, quiet time in my room. They know at night when my noise machines outside my door don't bother me. She's either reading, journaling, like they know that I'm taking time for myself. And that was something that I had to teach them and I had to really shift my beliefs and go, this is modeling what I want for them one day. If I keep sacrificing myself inside of moments when I'm I'm struggling and I don't show them that I'm human, how are they gonna feel safe to do that as well?
0: Yeah, I that's so true. And I, I love that because I feel like, you know, probably giving in to the urge of wanting to drink alcohol is more of just not wanting to be vulnerable, so yeah, I think that's great. And you know, finding other ways to cope and just uh, like giving yourself the grace to be stressed or whatever feelings that you are feeling is such a, a great way to model for your kids. So that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that.
1: Yeah, it's so helpful. And you know, I speak a lot to. I mean most of, most of the women that. I serve our mid thirties and up. Um, So they're in all different versions of parenting. And, you know, we've gotten this, this culture of like this sacrificial motherhood and that you got to be there and be all. And it's like, really? Cause that's not, that's not what I believe, you know, we are modeling and we're raising them up, but how are they, how are our children's going to learn? How are they going to learn that it's safe inside of the home to fully express themselves? Um, if we're not showing them and that's big, like a lot of my, I, for years, I thought it was cool that I didn't cry. Like I thought I was some tough chick and you know, I thought, wow, yeah, I hardly don't cry anymore. And then I realized that that was awful. Like (laughs) God made us to cry because first of all, it's detoxifying for real for our bodies and it's just a great way to release the built up emotions. And so I let my children see me cry now and I let them know that it's fully okay. Like if they're like, oh my God, are you okay? And because people normally get uncomfortable when you're expressing your emotions, it makes them feel <laughs> weird. And so now um, I just let them know like, hey, this is normal. Like you don't have to, to comfort me.
0: I'm, I'm going to be okay. This is just what I'm
1: feeling right now.
0: I love that that's that's so true. We shouldn't just hide behind this this mass that I feel like the media really is like, you no, know, you gotta be tough, you gotta be perfect, you gotta be all this and that, and the only way you can do that is if you drink wine or you're drinking <laughs> or you're doing this or that, or you're just being perfect. so I just love that there's just so much room to be imperfect. So where can, um, my audience reach out to you and listen to your podcast and connect with you?
1: Yeah. So anywhere you can find podcasts is set free sisterhood. Just type that in. And, um, there's a fa- I have a Facebook group. It's the same thing. You can just look that up. And then if you just want to like message me, I love voice messages. You can type a message at coach Michelle Porterfield on Instagram. I'm not on there a ton. Um, I check in, I check my messages though, because I love to hear from y'all. So if you have any questions, like don't hesitate. If you're just thinking, man, I'm just super curious, you know, if she has any other advice or I'm curious, like what it looks like to be a part of her group, then just message me.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I will put all that in the show notes so people can reach out to you, but thank cool. you so much for, for coming on here and, and, and talking about alcohol. I feel like it's, can be like so taboo to talk, to talk about it. So thank you.
1: I love it. It's, it's kind of crazy. Cause, um, you know, I wouldn't be talking about it if I, cause that's the cool thing is like, I'm alcohol free and it, alcohol does not bother me or even have any value. I knew that when I began to walk down the aisle and there was no energy in my body, it was just super neutral and calm. Mm -hmm. And yet I love to talk about it because it just happens to be my calling. So a lot of times with women, they think, when they come into it, they're like, Oh, I got to tell somebody that you don't have to tell a soul. Like you can just tell me we'll work together and your life will begin to change. And you'll be amazed how people will just notice that you're transforming and they won't even have a clue it had anything to do with alcohol. So I always like to say that because it is, it is a lot of the fear of visibility and the fear of outing yourself that keep people stuck. So if you're listening, just choose not to stay stuck. That's all.
0: Yes. I love that. That is so great. And I I really hope that the listeners who, um, who hear this message aren't afraid to, to reach out to you because we're all here to better ourselves We're we're no one, no one has, um, you know, a perfect life. So I really hope that they do reach out to you because we're all here supporting each other. So that's great. Thank you again. Thank you. All right, you guys, that is it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Michelle about alcohol. I'm actually thinking about doing a podcast episode where I kind of dive into um, how alcohol affects your health. What is the nutritional content of alcohol? So, if you guys are interested in that, let me know. You can follow me on Instagram at This is Miranda Lee. And if you guys enjoy this podcast, please, please take the 30 seconds to one minute to like it. To leave me a written review on Apple Podcasts or just, you know, leave me a five-star review on Spotify. That would mean so much to me. All right, you guys, thank you again for tuning in, and I'll catch you in the next episode.